0: That are alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit?
1: Good trash, genre
0: cast. I love you. I know.
2: on, right hand. Max off, left hand.
0: Run!
2: Get to the chopper! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast where we gather around a table and we continue our Shocktober marathon with our single syllable films. We've done Saw, we've done Raw, and now we're doing Hush. Because um, words are hard sometimes, and Dalton struggles with that. Yeah, as we, we make... learned last week, uh, yeah, Sorry Dalton, about that talk.
1: Really dropped the ball. I uh, do apologize. Uh, I will do my best to endeavor to be better.
2: Just enunciate, man. That's all we ask. I, I'm going to try. Okay, okay. I, I think we believe in you. But, dear listener, this is um, a show which you probably want to know who we are and who's talking to you. So, across the table, sir, who are you?
1: My name is Dalton Stewart, and I am currently signing Bitch.
2: All right. He is. Accurate statement. To my left, sir, who are you? I am Arthur
0: Gordon, and it's done. It's, It's done. It's done.
2: It's done. It's done
1: oh man oh man that's a scary Mm -hmm. moment
2: and my name is dustin sells and all i want to say is do it coward i'm here to podcast and i don't care what you got and uh so we are here to talk the film hush and it's going to be a really really good time uh in this discussion i'm really looking forward to but i want to warn you in case it's the first time you've tuned in to the good trash genre cast brought to you by the good trash media network and to let you know that this is not a review show it is an analysis show and that will involve spoilers if you want to know who lives and who dies, uh, go ahead and listen. If you don't, you don't want to listen to the last half of the show. But before that, to give you a taste of what we're all about and to draw you in with uh, the entertainment that we try to provide here at the Good Trash Media Network, what we do is a quick synopsis uh, from The Voice of the Cinema, which is followed by our uh, thumbs up, thumbs down reviews, which are relatively spoiler free. Then we play a game which might involve a mild spoiler of the film or other films in its orbit. We generally try to avoid it during that section of the show and then about halfway in we get down to business and then all spoiler bets are off you have been
1: now I do want to say that with very little ceremony or circumstance, you did roll over the fact that this will be the last entry in our sixth annual oh, yeah, October. Yeah. You, you mentioned that it was you know yet another entry in the monosyllabic horror film mini marathon we did. We came, we saw, we conquered. Yeah, yet yet another uh, year of spoopery um, on the books
2: for you. Happy Halloween, everyone! And the sixth edition of the franchise, right there yeah, for you. The spookiest I'll, uh, one.
0: Put him on blast and just uh, hopefully this drops in October. Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Well uh If not, uh it'll be a post mortem. So after this the sixth entry, uh, what would next year's gonna be like a reboot or a prequel, right?
2: Uh, I think so. It has to be, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's actually gonna go off uh off air for about eight years and then uh somebody's gonna pop up and make an independent uh sequel to it.
2: Now, do, do we get re- directed by Rob Zombie? Now, do, do you think they will
1: recast us, or is this going to be like I a, a Scream Four scenario, or like a, a
0: passing yeah. of the torch? Passing movie. of the torch. We come back to help a new group of podcasters take over.
2: Yeah, it, it's Wes Craven's new. Genre cast <laughs> uh, But yeah, uh,
1: it's been real fun Welcome to prime time <laughs> as, as we teased last week, we'll get we'll get one more spooky film in, in next week But th- this will be the end of Shocktober proper it's, Correct. Uh, As always, every year, it's been a real joy
2: It has always been fun And we're excited to be doing this sort of stuff So without any further ado, Mr. Arthur Gordon, voice of the cinema Let's hear that synopsis Sure
0: thing, Dustin, let me find it real quick uh, I was <laughs> off my game He's more worried about the game itself than the uh, movie. A deaf writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life must fight for her life in silence when a mass killer.
2: (laughs) What's wrong, man? You okay?
0: I'm not not a fan of the synopsis at all. (laughs) This is the IMDb one? Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, it
1: is really bad. (laughs)
0: Let's try that again.
2: Um, (laughs) Okay.
0: They call me 2 Tate Gordon.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> a deaf writer, a deaf writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life, must fight for her life in silence when a masked killer appears at her window. I mean, that is what happens. But yeah, that is a. Dog shit
1: synopsis. It's terrible wording. Uh, Solitary life must fight for her life in silence. Obviously is, it's silence because she's deaf. That is written by Netflix, by the way. That is, uh, according to IMDB, that was yep. written by Netflix.
0: Uh, they need a new copywriter. Yeah. I know a guy that could do it for them. Seriously, Netflix, fire your copywriter. Hire me, please. Jesus. Do so I get free Netflix? I'm not about
1: this price hike. Almost certainly. Yeah, I heard about that. I'm really kind of irritated. Yeah. We have yeah, done so many Netflix-centric marathons. We're about to do another. I really feel <laughs> yeah, like the whole should,
0: first three years of this show we was Netflix, just in movies on Netflix
1: <laughs> <laughs> until we all got hulu uh I really feel <laughs> like we should have been get, getting getting uh, free subscriptions a long time ago so yeah that's uh that is pretty accurate though as as far as what happens yeah I love uh, a, yeah. yeah i i love a i love a very simple and yet very high concept uh just plot like yeah. this it, not a whole lot happens but the the high concept being that uh
0: it's a home invasion movie, and the protagonist is deaf. Now, haven't this been done before, but was the protagonist deaf or blind? I feel like this was an late 80s, early 90s movie. You're thinking of the people under the stairs, I think. No, there's one involved a lady, I believe, and she's being stalked by somebody. Interesting. They get into her house.
2: Yeah, I do vaguely. I, I, it would have been
0: like a made. It would have been like a Sunday afternoon movie that came out in the late eighties or. I night. had this sort of
2: deja vu going yeah. on in the back of my head as well, but I did not immediately recall the film either. But yeah, I know what you're talking about there, Mr. Arthur Gordon. So, uh, Dalton Stewart, let's uh, go to you first. What do you think about the film Hush? Your I, thumbs up, thumbs down. Review. I am a
1: big fan of Hush. I watched it when it dropped on Netflix last year. I had uh, just, I want to say, within a couple of weeks or months. Uh, discovered Mike Flanagan's first film, Oculus, with Karen Gillian, uh, and was really kind of shocked by how good it was. So when Hush uh, was picked up by Netflix and then dropped, like, almost immediately afterwards, I can't remember if they acquired it at uh, South by Southwest or Fantastic Fest or Sundance, I can't remember where they picked it up at, but uh, it was one of those movies that, like, almost immediately after acquiring it, they dropped it um, within, like, a couple of weeks. Um, And I I watched it the day it dropped on Netflix because I was really excited about the premise. I liked Flanagan. Um, and it blew me away. I, I really like it. Katie, uh, a big part of why this film works is, is our lead. Is it Kate Siegel or Katie Siegel? I'm going to look it up real quick just so I'm not an asshole. It's Kate Siegel, um, who is also Flanagan's uh, co-writer on this film. Her performance is absolutely great. Um, we've also got a really great uh, per, uh, performance from uh, John Gallagher Jr. as the man who, who is the, the spooky. I mean, there's no mystery here. This isn't a mystery about, like, who is this guy? What's he doing here? It is purely a survival horror film.
2: Yeah, you know what kind of movie you're in within, like, four and a half minutes. It I mean, this
1: jumps the fuck fast. off quick. Yeah. yeah, and I that's one of the things to me that is so striking about this film is how quickly things jump off and how well it maintains that momentum throughout. There's really about what 30 to 45 minutes that go non-stop before there's like another break of like internal yeah. monologue yeah um from the moment the killer uh, reveals himself uh to really the last 20 minutes it goes non-stop and then there's kind of like a brief break to let the audience catch their breath uh but man this movie has legs now i recently found out that there are people who don't like this movie which is shocking to me Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be that many. Um, I think I probably like this movie more than some, but, uh, it it did, as I recall, have a pretty well, it was pretty well received when it initially hit Netflix. Uh, but I really, I really hope it continues to grow in people's estimation. I, I really hope this, like... Honestly, for me, this is the kind of movies Netflix should be acquiring and, and making. Um, you know, their their first film, "Beasts of No Nation," which Dustin and I watched together. You know, what two years ago now that it initially dropped. With Sounds about right. Idris Elba, it is a beautiful film, but uh, Cary Fukunaga's uh, cinematography really deserves to be on a big screen. Uh, I think this is the kind of movie that Netflix should really be pushing. You know, movies that cost five to ten million dollars look great on a you know thirty to forty inch television. Um, and are really um, tight, tight thrillers, Um, and just really ratcheting that tension up. Um, And that's what I think works so well about this, and really all of Flanagan's work up to this point, um, the the films of his I've seen anyway, uh, is he really is able to maintain momentum throughout his films in in ways that uh, really surprise me. And excite me. And I I think that's what all we'll say before we get into spoiler territory for right now.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what do you say in terms of your thumbs-up, thumbs-down review of Hush?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I was a bit hesitant because I remember watching it the first time and not, I mean, loving it as much. I mean, Dalton, I know, loves this movie quite a bit as uh, a horror thriller, slasher film. And uh, I remember watching it the first time and not really loving it. I think the second time... Uh, it adds a lot to it, um, and I, I did forget a lot of things that I do appreciate about the movie. Um, but I don't, I don't think I love it as much as Dalton. But it is, I mean, it is a rock okay. solid thriller. I'm not going to take that away from it. Uh, I think, I, and is, I think for me, that's enough. I guess. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's a rock solid thriller, and for me, that's. And the I think maybe there's something refreshing about the simplicity. The simplicity is great, and I think the sound design does elevate it a oh, little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, and I Definitely. think. The use of geography of the house is yeah. something that I feel like a lot of horror movies are lacking in. Yeah, and this movie makes great use of. Yes,
0: that is very accurate. Um, I think uh, what I, I really appreciate about this movie, there are things that Flanagan's doing insofar as we're not just um, uh, we're not just kind of identifying with uh, uh, Kate's character um, uh, inside the house. You know, a lot of times when we have this kind of movie, we think about a Halloween. Uh, we're only seeing Michael Myers, you know, maybe through the victim's eyes or, you know, we're, we're in their kind of, uh, perspective, but here we, we go outside the house quite a bit and we just see in the background, um, our, our protagonist in the window and as our, as our killers kind of walking around. So I like those type of moments, uh, the editing, uh, the sound design is fantastic. It has to be, I think, uh, really emphasize, you know, that deaf element of our main character. Um, but I, I i do appreciate a lot. i appreciate this kind of realistic element to the horror uh when a person's arm gets broken uh, it's kind of mangled and it's almost kind of this comic absurdity to it but it's also this very realistic uh element because you're you know you're going to be mangled if your arm breaks in a certain way and so i can appreciate the, that about it um i feel like uh flanagan is he's just he's firing on all cylinders and it is a very rock solid movie uh, it, it ratchets up the tension I do love that about it uh, when I'm watching a thriller I, I, I like for the stakes to be raised and the uh, tension to be ratcheted and, and this is definitely doing both of those things in spades I I, I I don't know that I love that it it jumps as high as it does so early like I I mean it takes the stakes almost to 11 early. And it's kind of hard to come back from that for me.
1: Okay, uh, I can see
0: that. And, and they find a way to do it later in the film. And uh, and I feel like there's some there's a dumb character in that moment that shows up. Um, but uh, I, I, I think it's too much too soon. I mean, this is only an 80-minute movie, though, so it kind of works. And I don't know that they could have gone much further with it. Um, but so there's like a pacing thing there that I, I don't love. Uh, what I
1: will say uh, in agreement with you is I think that the um, w- without giving too much away about the structure of this film, I think that initial salvo, um, f- the the initial feeling out of opponents, as it were, um, I think that sequence could go on a little bit longer before they, yeah. they, they both declare their intentions to each other, as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. And I think you're right. I think that. The cat and mouse, before it becomes uh, almost a, a, a battle of wills, the cat and mouse could go on a little yeah. bit longer.
0: And I, I also like that there's a there's a, that realism to them trying to, you know, uh, there's a crossbow that becomes involved and it's, you know, does fall into both hands at one point. But it's, it's fun that both people struggle. Our, our, our you know, our, our monster here is not supernatural. Yeah. And I really appreciate about that. This is just a... Like a sociopath yeah. out there. In, the, in film the, has a, the film
1: has a real feel for uh, the fragility of the human body yeah. that uh, I, I think a lot of horror movies don't – they do only for the, the use of gore and the use of violence. This film uses the fragility of the human body in ways – and plot points. Yeah. Uh, and I think Maddie being deaf um, really kind of underscores – your reliance on your body working the way it's quote supposed to yeah um and when your body is not wanting to function the way you need it to uh that sucks uh, especially when it becomes a life or death scenario and i think you're right arthur i think the fact that uh, flanagan and katie Sigol's uh script like really references like the man and maddie's reliance on their own bodies is really interesting
0: yeah. Uh, so I, I think those are my main thoughts. I think it's, a, I definitely think it's rock solid. It has a lot of good things working for it uh, at the end of the day. I don't quite love it, but it's, uh, I'm not mad about it. I, th- I think it is quite good.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I really liked it. I, I really had a ball with it. And uh, I, I do actually like the way that the weed is go to 11 right away, that this is what you showed up for and this is just how visceral and horrible the situation is that we already know what you've, again it's one of those things, it's already on the tin this is, a, this is sort of like one of those slasher kind of films and uh, it, it just, just goes for it in a way that I find to be very very interesting because it's more interested in other things than simply you know, playing out the standard you know, sort of slasher movie kind of tropes, uh, it, so that I find I find to be very 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 interesting and I even like the interdictionary of the extra character, I think that works and uh, is totally fine uh, by me as well. The sound design, as we've already mentioned, is absolutely brilliant. Just yeah. love it.
0: I don't mind. I, I think the introduction is great. At the second, I just think he's, he's an idiot.
2: Well, uh, you know, figuring out. Figuring I think. Out.
0: I think he figures out the game
1: quicker than. Um, quick enough. I think he figures out the game quick enough.
2: Yeah. I, I, yeah, quick enough. I mean, some might be faster on the uptake, some might be slower. I, I feel like it's a pretty average American human response. He
1: gets he gets startled, uh, and that costs him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the introduction of a, another player that late in the game is a really interesting narrative choice.
2: But nonetheless, I, I like that a lot. I just – the the film itself is, is well-designed. I think the set design is great. I think the uh, movement of the camera is brilliant. I think the choice of the mask design –
1: that it looks look, great.
2: It looks so good. And uh, the choice of what to do with the mask early on in the film is also inspired. It's just absolutely amazing. And uh, so I am, I, I, I kind of just glitter and glow with emotion uh, with this film. I'm I so think. glad you liked it. Yeah, I really, really dug it a lot. So um, I am definitely in the bias pro category. So is Dalton. Uh, Arthur is in the bias pro, but a little, uh, little, little more middling uh, than the rest of us uh, regarding all of that. But we're having this conversation because this is what makes the movie so much uh, so worthwhile. And Dalton's going to tell you some things now about how you can be part of the conversation with us all. That's right, dear listener. As always,
1: this is the part of the show where I ramble on for a few brief moments and tell you how to get in touch with us on the Internet. Arthur shaking his head in agreement. First and foremost, you can find us on Twitter. That's at good underscore trash. Once more, that's at good underscore trash. Uh, You can uh, tweet at us. Uh, We do polls. Uh, We let you know what's going on. We try to share other uh, film websites, Uh, very good news Uh, because we don't do that ourselves. We don't have a full-time staff, but uh, we try to share the news of the day. Uh, We try to offer you fun polls. We try to ask you what your thoughts on the most recent episodes were, things like that. We're also over on Facebook where we're less active but also can be reached there and do have uh, some fun things on there from time to time. That's facebook.com forward slash GTM. Once again, that's facebook.com forward slash GTM. If you just want to uh, enjoy what you're listening in a more... uh, refined space you can also go to goodtrashmedia.com. you can comment on the episode pages there um you know do that if you want to we don't check that super often but we definitely keep an eye on it um and last but certainly not least you can always go and rate review and subscribe to this show and any other good trash media content on uh the itunes app uh for um podcasts or stitcher radio or whatever your preferred delivery method for podcasts is any of those third-party apps um Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show uh, when you do that. When you listen to us, we would appreciate it.
2: Alright, thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton Stewart. And guys, it's time, it's time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! That's right, dear listener. We're back with the game—the game that everybody plays and nobody wins, just like a slasher film. And here we go. We're going to play this week's game, which is going to be our favorite horror protagonists who stand up to the challenge. Uh,
1: that's right, favorite horror protagonists—protagonists, protagonists, protagonists who stand up to the challenge, rise to the occasion, and cake metric tons of die. That's just then. Dalton did not learn how to speak in the past week. I did not. Well, let's try this one more time from the top. <laughs> this week's game is... It does, here's the real problem. Dustin made it too convoluted. Uh, this week's game is badass horror protagonists. That's right. <laughs> the horror protagonists who kick metric tons of butt, who rise to the occasion and fucking whoop it out. Uh, brought to you by Hush, starring uh, Katie Seagal uh, as the wonderful Maddie, who is just such a awesome, capable... Uh, And and really delightful horror protagonists that it felt like a perfect game. We just want to talk about uh, those horror protagonists who... um do not let the the things that go bump in the night scare them too much.
2: Mild spoiler, Maddie kicks some tail.
1: Oh, she kicks so much ass.
2: Yeah, and we like that about her, and we like that about her ilk of protagonists in the horror film. So, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what is your first selection? Uh,
1: this first selection is uh, one that really speaks dear to my heart just because I've, I saw the movie so young, and I really continue to enjoy the film for what it is. Um, and it reminds me of Dustin. That's right, it's one uh, Jacob Fuller, the mean motherfucking servant of God, uh, Harvey Keitel, yeah. in From Dusk Till Dawn. Thank you. Um, I
2: will take that comment all day, every day. Now Thank there you.
1: are tons of really cool protagonists in this film, uh, not the least of which, other than Harvey Keitel, being Juliette Lewis playing his daughter, um, and uh, whose character name escapes me at the moment, and George Clooney as uh, Seth Gecko. Uh, no, Seth is no, he's Seth Gecko. That's right. Uh, it's a uh, Tarantino who's the gross one. Um, who's got the other name uh but man harvey Keitel is the one that really stands out for me uh the uh, baseball bat shotgun cross combo um is seared into my brain as one of the coolest things i've ever seen in a horror movie um definitely saw the film too young but uh that is an image that has stuck with me my entire life and uh it was my first exposure to the awesomeness that is harvey Keitel.
2: excellent excellent i like that choice a lot mr dalton stewart uh mr arthur gordon what is your first pick
0: Uh, I'm going to go with a character I actually just uh, encountered a couple of weeks ago after hearing about for many years, and that is Nada from They Live, as played by the Rowdy One himself. Uh, I've jokingly mentioned uh, I I love how quick uh, Nada is to uh, just start laying waste to people uh, without question. He does not question for a moment the legitimacy of these glasses he's nope. found. found. Uh, and he is just ready to go to town. Yeah, no, as, as, soon,
1: as soon as Roddy Piper finds out that the world is, is a lie, he's like, <laughs> I knew it.
0: Time yeah. to go. He is all in. And uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that he is smart. I appreciate that there's a five and a half minute fight scene for absolutely no <laughs> reason.
1: It's so good. Uh,
0: but it's a lot of fun. I'm pretty sure he suplexes uh, at least twice uh, his... Uh, Counterpart in that fight scene, and so it's always fun when him, and, wrestling Ki- him and Keith David really just beat the shit out of each yeah, other. They do yeah, it, it is a good time. Yeah, I,
1: I think they both get punched in in the groin about fifteen. Times. I think the only
0: thing they did, I think they pulled punches to the face. Otherwise, it was was it really? It was all it was a fight. Yeah, they just went to town on one another. And that's, that's why Carpenter kept it because it was so good. Wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Th- so they th-
1: pulled their punches a little bit, but they really were hitting yeah, each other. Yeah, anything
0: to I think to the face and maybe low. I think was, but the body shots yep. they were just they taking were body blows at yep. each other. Holy shit! Yeah. That's, wow. Those
1: guys are both yoked too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Uh, but I, I think he's just a great character. I think he's a lot of fun. He gets a great uh, catchphrase, a memorable. Yeah, uh, it's line. so good you put it at the top of the show. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's it's good, and I think it's a good uh, quote for this uh, this uh, product that we produce. But uh, I think he's a fun. Uh, protagonist, I think he definitely uh, rises to the occasion. I don't think he's uh, that stupid. He's pretty smart uh, and uh, willing to go above and beyond, and I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, champion for the working man. Yes.
2: All right, I've got a B-side pull for my first selection. Uh, hit us. So Friday the Thirteenth, Part Four, the final chapter. The character. It played, wasn't the final chapter. It it was, spoiler alert. Turns out, was not the final chapter. Um, <laughs> Tommy Jarvis, played by young Corey Feldman, who uh, figures out what makes Jason ticks, puts a machete in his head while screaming, die, die, die. And, uh, again, just gets up in his head enough to slow him down, make him drop his defenses so he can put the machete where it goes. It is a great moment. It is some great Tom Savini special effects as the head of Jason slides down the machete uh, when it hits the floor. And uh, But I love me some Tommy Jarvis. I just love the idea that Jason finally gets taken out. And this is the end of uh, sort of natural, real-life, real-worldy kind of Jason. We move into supernatural Jason after this sort of stuff. Um, it, well, part five doesn't count. Uh, but.
1: He was a zombie in part two wasn't he nope wait so he turned out to be alive the
2: entire time after he got drowned he never drowned
1: i don't know the mythology of the series as well as i thought i did i don't uh, at all
2: he had not actually drowned he was thought to have drowned and mama gone crazy gotcha so
1: two three and four he is a living person he's a
2: hillbilly living in the woods
1: interesting he's leatherface
2: just leatherface yeah basically he's just
1: okay he's just a real bumblebutt yeah okay huh and wow! So, this whole
2: time I thought he was a zombie from from Jump Street. I, I did too. No, nope, not a zombie till episode six. Um, he's not Jason. Wait, what at all. happens in five? It's he not, not Jason. Hell. Oh, huh? Who, who's the bad guy in five? Not Jason. Is Nobody just tell aunt? us. No one cares. It, it's like somebody works at the psych asylum. For mm. fuck's sake! Are they what? framing him? Yeah. Well, they're How? mess and they're mess with poor adult Tommy Jarvis. Stuff. You know what?
0: I'm going to stick to the real world of Halloween. As much as
1: much shit as we talked on Saw. Uh, As a franchise, (laughs) at least they had like a consistent internal mythology from like chapter to chapter, you know, God. No, what ends up happening? Okay,
2: so Tommy Jarvis has got a three episode. Okay, article. I don't care that much. Okay, um, but, well, this is my character. Okay, this is my pick. All right, all right. I, I only like him in four. So I only like Corey Feldman Jarvis. For the record, in part five, he is in a uh, mental uh, health facility, having you know has a bit of a post traumatic stress disorder from you know seeing bunches of murders and having to hack somebody to death in his house. And somebody pretends to be Jason. Turns out it's not him. Uh, in part six, that's where the zombie Jason starts. And in the that, zombie
1: Jason that we know and love,
2: that we know and love, and in which Tommy Jarvis goes to desecrate the grave of the guy that ruined his life, sticks a giant metal pole in his chest. In the course of this, which gets struck by lightning and all of Frankenstein, Jason raises from the dead. And uh, that's and hilarity ensues, you know, musical numbers and kissing.
1: Uh, my favorite Jason's the Cyborg Jason, just to be clear. <laughs> But I
2: I like Tommy Jarvis, the the kid one, the kid one especially. So, all right, there we go. Let's move on. Uh, Dalton Stewart, let's hear number two from you. I mean,
1: I I don't think we could have not mentioned this this character, uh, because this is a character that killed not only Skeet Ulrich, not only Timothy Olyphant, not only Shaggy uh, from Scooby-Doo. Just a whole host of other baddies came for her, and she kept on kicking ass. It's Sidney Prescott, uh, as played by the incomparable Nev Campbell, who we talked about early, uh, way, way back on the first part of Sharktober for The Craft. Uh, but, it, but it is Nev Campbell's signature role uh, as Sidney Prescott. Part of what I think makes Scream work as a franchise is they kept bringing back the core three um, of um, Nev Campbell. Uh, Arquette and, um, oh, my God. Courtney Cox. Thank you, Courtney Cox. Um, the, the fact that they got all three of them back for every movie, and then obviously they were always able to get uh, back a couple of other characters, yeah. uh, ancillary and you know tertiary characters to come back yeah. to. I think that's a big part of what works. That's when horror mo- franchises uh, start falling apart for me is when they can't get uh, people to come back for sequels. Yeah. Uh, and that's the point where you got to say goodbye to that good ship, uh, Spoopery. Um, but Sydney Prescott's just the coolest. I mean, how cool is she? In part three, she works for a uh, like a crisis hotline, um, or is that four?
2: Uh, she's working for the crisis hotline in, three. in episode three. Yeah, let's. Right.
1: I'm not going to get too focused on when things happen. She writes a yeah. book about trauma. Uh, she works for a crisis call center. Um, not only is she a super capable protagonist, but she also like at her car- character arc is like helping other people yeah. deal with trauma, which yeah. is kind of badass and yeah. way more interesting than the scream films have any right to be. Yeah. Um, but even though none of them comes anywhere close to the first one, I think they all manage to have some spark of that, that kind of specialness. And uh, Sidney Prescott never stops
0: being
2: awesome. I agree. I agree entirely. Good pick. Good pick. Mr. Arthur Gordon, what's your next selection?
0: Uh, I am going to go with one uh, that we visited on this uh, this show many years ago when we first uh, moved to Norman, I believe. And that is uh, Dana from Cabin in the Woods. Yes, um, Dana's great, In a movie full of great uh, characters. I think Dana is just such a solid uh, protagonist, uh, especially in those final sequences when she has to confront uh, Sigourney Weaver and tell her what's up, um, and you know cho- chooses the fate of the world. And I think it's a fair choice, and uh, I think she just it's a great performance, and I think it's just a it's such an interesting take on that 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 character arc uh, archetype. Uh, in horror, and I think she uh, she does it well, and I think it's uh, written well, and I, I I greatly appreciate it. And a strong honorable honorable mention for Marty,
2: yeah, Mr. Um, Franz Kranz, yeah, Franz yes. Kranz, who knows the ancient logics,
0: yes, he does. Um, yeah. yeah.
2: That's a good pick. I appreciate that very very much. Okay, my next pick is 7 picks. Um my next pick Okay, Dalton. No. Yeah, seriously. Even I'm annoyed with it. It's only one movie. Okay. And it's only it's a group of people. All okay. seven of them are protagonists. Okay. okay. And they are the Losers Club from It. Shit. Yeah, dude. Okay. Those yeah. guys kick some tail. They yeah. are up to the task and they are able to get done what needs to get done. Bev,
1: Trashmouth and uh, everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, Mike. Yeah. Richie. Richie. I, I just wanted to say trash. Yeah, trash mouth. And, and Bill, you know got to Bill, gotta, there we go. Bill the, like, B- the leader of the B- pack. B- Bill? B- no, Bev is the leader of the group. It is not Bill. Get the fuck out
0: of here. Okay. We all know. Purely by hormones and we know physical that, attraction. We yes.
1: know that Bev is the only one who <laughs> knows her elbow from her ass. Like, she's the only one <laughs> nah, that is I capable.
0: Don't know. No, Mike.
2: No,
1: yeah, Mike, Mike shows knows what's up, up with that air gun, yeah, dude. Yeah, He's ready to up. go. Mike knows what's up. That's true. And, uh,. I, Here's the thing that I found out about the new one. Apparently, Mike's the the town historian, and like the, the like even when they're kids, he's the one that knows everything about the town. What a bummer! I wish they let Mike get to have that because yeah, it's a Ben bad gets to be the, Ben gets to be the sweet poet boy. Like that's that's his thing. Let let Mike be the history guy. Come on.
2: Yeah, it's a bad choice, but I love the Losers. And, they're great. Uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're a great set of pro tags that are taking on a intergalactic, intercontinental, <laughs> interdimensional monster from <laughs> Sunday, the beyond. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. The interdimensional title holder. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Uh, picks number one or number three, number third, or the first and most important. Mr. Dalton Stewart, go. You know, when we talk about horror film
1: uh, as a genre, we talk a lot about good and evil. We talk a lot about good and bad. Good, bad, he's the guy with the gun. It's Ashley Williams. Uh, Ashley J. Williams? Um, Who knows? I don't know. It's Bruce Campbell yes. uh, as Ash in Evil Dead. Um, you know I'm the bastard son of Bruce Campbell. You do look a lot like Bruce Campbell, uh, as uh, our very own friend <laughs> fan yeah. mentioned not that long ago. Um, yeah, he, he's great. He's absolutely wonderful. He kicks all the ass um, and has so many great lines. Um, and is just absolutely fun. And um, is frequently punished for his buffoonery and his misogyny in, in ways that are really kind of comical uh, and I think that's what makes Bruce Campbell uh, such a, a enduring pop culture icon is really just ash um, is the fact that Ash is simultaneously like single-mindedly capable and a complete dunce in every other aspect of his life. Uh, he's good at one thing and one thing only and that's fighting evil. Uh, and it's a character trope that I feel like has been applied to a lot of r- more recent horror protagonists. Um, but he really is kind of the originator of the—it's um, fun. My, my roommate Heath points out that the, the Japanese storytelling has the archetype of the uh, the competent buffoon. Um, really just kind of shows up a lot in Japanese storytelling is the guy that's only good at kicking ass. Uh, and I think Ash is, is kind of the first character that brings that into the horror genre. Um, so, yeah, I, what are we going to do? Not mention him? Come on. Fair
2: enough, fair enough. That pick was groovy. I appreciate it very much, Mr. Dalton Uh Mr. Arthur Gordon, what is your number one or number last pick?
0: I often wax poetic about this character because she is so important to me. I think she is fantastic, and it is Clarice Starling. Yeah, baby. Uh, I knew you were going to mention her. That's why I didn't. Um, I, I just love her. I, I, I love everything about that character because she's so strong uh, and, and it's not, you know, Sydney is strong in Scream 2. In Scream 1, she's just the final girl that survives. That's a good point. In Scream 2 is when, and when she comes up and, and somebody mentioned this, you know, Ellen uh, Ripley is, you know, she's smart and she's savvy, but she's, she's the final girl. She's, she's just trying to survive through the end of the movie, and she takes advantage of, of a opening. Uh, to survive.
1: I, 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 okay. Uh, once we fair. get to Alien
0: 2, yeah. she's ready to go. She's weathered. She's ready to go. A- or Aliens. Yeah, sorry. You're,
1: you're right. Alien, she is really kind of relying. I mean, she's the one that kills Ash the android. But yeah. She is kind of relying on raw survival instinct. Yeah. Um, uh, it is, too, where she takes yeah. command. Yeah.
0: You're right. Uh, uh, but I, I, I really feel like Clarice, you know, she, she is not uh, to be intimidated. Mm-hmm. She is there to make her mark. And all the way through the end, when she has the showdown with Bill, I, I, I think it all just plays out great. I don't think uh, her character is ever undercut. I think it works completely logistically. Uh, you know, they could have made her a damsel in distress very easily, and they never do. And they don't, and especially that final sequence. We could have been waiting on the, you know, the, you know, uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Uh, FBI director um, to show up. Um, Scott, Scott Glenn. Glenn. Uh, we could have been waiting for him to save the day at the last second, but it's completely on her, and she comes out uh, shining like a star. I even like uh, Julianne Moore. Uh, uh, I like her take on the character in of Hannibal. Hannibal. Yeah. I don't like that
1: movie, so. The, uh, the movie's, oh, no, it's not anywhere in,
2: I don't love that movie, but I think yeah. Julianne Moore is it's no yeah, yeah, cl- yes.
1: it's nowhere close to as good yeah. as Signs of the Lambs, but I, I think Julianne Moore is also yeah, a. You're, is worth
0: mentioning. She's a
2: slightly less sophisticated Clarice, it feels to me. It's a, it's a definitely a different take on it. It's definitely,
0: because I mean, she's kind of had this, you know, it's a more shamed career at that point. So it's a really interesting, you know, look at where she's at at that point.
1: It's a, it's a character. It's a Clarice Starling that's had a,
0: you know, 10 years of really rough life. Yeah. Uh, But I I just I love Clarice. I I think she's fantastic. I think she has to be mentioned in this conversation. And I think
1: uh, it it does bear mentioning
0: uh, you did mention Ellen Ripley. I I, I didn't mention uh, Ripley because
1: I honestly think of her more as an action protagonist than a horror protagonist. But uh, yeah, I mean, we we should give some some love to Sigourney as just an all timer in terms of badass protagonists.
2: All right. Well, my uh, last or final or first pick, depending on how you're going to look at it, is uh, definitely a heavy hitter. It is uh, one of them that begins the whole cycle. It's Nancy Thompson. It's Heather Langenkamp. It's, it's, it's Nightmare on Elm Street, parts one, three, and seven. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, she's th- so good New Nightmare. Well, she's so good New Nightmare. She's so good in the first one. She's the only one who's taking this serious. She will not let anyone gaslight her into thinking she's crazy. And when she figures out what's going on, she takes... Uh, Takes matters into her own hands. Plays a little Home Alone with Freddy Krueger, which is a something-something. And then just decides, you know what? I'm just not going to be afraid of you anymore. That is kind of awesome. And uh, so love me some Heather Langenkamp. Love Nancy as a character. And uh, got to name, at least one of the great Scream Queens uh, from uh, the original horror cycles. So uh, she would be the one that I would definitely pick uh, for my selection. And we'd love to hear your selections, dear listeners. And we hope you let us know all that good stuff uh, via those magical means of social media already mentioned in the show but without any further ado it is time to get down to business And we're back, dear listener, and you know that music means it's time to get down to business and that business is, as always, that sweet, sweet analysis. And so we're going to bring it to you right now uh, with the film Hush. There's a whole lot going on. I don't even know where to begin uh, with this film, but I guess I want to begin by just sort of like a preamble kind of statement. And it's something we addressed a little bit when we talked about Saw, not Raw. And so it is like the hop on pop (laughs) week or month of Shocktober uh, this year uh, with all these Rhymy single monosyllabic titles, but I want to talk about Bloomhouse for just a minute, uh, which okay. is the yeah. production company yeah. uh, that has that's really right.
1: I, shit. I did forget this was a Bloomhouse movie, and
2: they are killing it right now. A- and really, the model is simply this: they acquire films that are already made. for... No,
1: that's a twenty-four. Bloomhouse is uh, on the ground with production.
2: Well, they. Oh, I was going to say they or. They produce films. They they acquire films already made that are usually made for less than a million dollars. That way they can pay about five for them. Or they make them themselves for about five million dollars. That's true. Yep. And, uh, and so that's what they do. And then they will go up to about ten million dollars. Maybe twenty uh, if they're making a sequel, and they're just turning it over hand over fist. They're doing this kind of work. They, you know, Bloomhouse put out Whiplash uh, from a couple of years ago.
1: Did they really? They,
2: yes. Holy shit! I and, didn't remember that. And so they, there's definitely a move there. Uh, Bloom learned at uh, at Miramax under the Weinstein's, who are all uh, up in the news right now.
1: Yeah, fuck him for the record.
2: But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but what they were doing there is they were making genre films and also trying to work their way into that Oscar territory. And so, my big prediction right now is this is exactly what's going to happen well, with this production. I house. mean,
1: if they can keep having hits like Get Out, which, you know, made yeah. a ton of money, if they can Do- keep having returns like uh, they had on Get Out, I mean, they're going to start dipping their toes into much bigger productions. Um,. I'm interested to see what they do as a production company. They have a lot of misses. Um, sure they, they do. They don't have the sterling record that a, a similar, uh, you know, A24 only distributes. They don't do any production as far as I know. Um, as far as I know. They have a much less stellar hit record than A24 does. Um, but they are kind of working in a similar budgetary range.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, yeah, I, I usually, I mean, A24 uh, more so, but Blue, Blumhouse does imply a certain amount of quality. Or at least a certain amount of like knowledgeable, uh, knowledgeableness uh, with working with genre pictures, um, and yeah, Hush is no exception. I, I think a big part of what makes makes Hush work is Flanagan uh, and Kate. Is it? I keep wanting to call her Katie because of Katie Segal. Katie, Katie. Siegel, uh Kate Siegel, uh and Mike Flanagan's screenplay really understand how. Gender dynamics work in slasher films. They, they understand the dynamic between the male slasher and the female victim. Um, they know what audience ex- audiences expect. They know how the tropes function. Um, and I think that speaks to the kind of movies that Blumhouse chooses to fund or acquire um, are movies that kind of understand what the tropes of, of the genre are.
2: Yeah, we're now living in the age of woke horror and uh, and that's an interesting time and place to be, and a lot of the reason for that is because the existence of Bloomhouse and also A twenty four. And
1: they, I mean, uh, Bloomhouse is now without
2: stumbles, of course. Yeah, then there are, and there are problematic films that have come out, obviously as well. But um, you know, and I guess I'll I'll tell one anecdote about them, uh, just again to give the idea of the production house and why this sort of stuff gets made is uh, Bloomhouse really blew up big uh, with the first Paranormal Activity film. Mm-hmm. They bought it from Orrin Pelly and then they were going to get Paramount to distribute. But Paramount only agreed to distribute it as a remake. So they went ahead and signed the contract to do it as a remake with the proviso that they had to screen the original film in front of an audience. And they had to be there. So the execs get into a movie house with a bunch of people to watch this movie and saw the reactions and said, we don't have to put any more money in this
1: $193.4 million domestically on a $15,000 budget. And it was probably acquired for... A mill tops.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is one of the. I mean, in, in terms of just the pure turnaround, it is one of the most pro- profitable movie houses in the history of American
1: cinema. I mean, followed up with three million on Paranormal Activity two, one hundred seventy seven mil. Insidious one point five ninety seven mil. I mean, the returns are a hundred percent or better just right out of the gate. Um, it's it's absolutely boggling. Uh, but then they've got stuff like Sinister, which is you know a bigger budget, bigger stars. Still really good, really interesting, really weird. You know what else they put out? Uh, Lords of Salem, which we talked about last week for Mm -hmm. a little bit.
2: Yeah, which is a great movie. So uh, anyway, the idea is that we just got to think a little bit about the production house and how this thing gets made. And then uh, the the source in which it was purchased was Netflix in this particular case. So um, I don't know. Do we make any more industrial comments before we move into content? Okay, let's move into content then directly. Um, We have a protagonist with a disability, and they use that protagonist in a powerful way. I dig it. What else do you guys think about all of this?
1: I I think it's really... Uh, great. Um, the the only thing that worries me, um, and again, it's not something that I see. I just, you know, I'm not deaf or hard of hearing. Um, I don't have anybody in my life who is. Um, so I'm always leery of that when we approach a film that is about, you know, in any group uh, that is, you know, potentially ostracized or... Uh, oppressed or, you know, made to feel lesser by society. Uh, I'm always very leery of, uh, you know, fetishizing anything um, that is, you know, part of who somebody is. So with that caveat out of the way, I think it's done very effectively. Now, again, um, I did not have time to do research and find out how the deaf and hard of hearing feel about this film. Um, I, again, don't know anybody who's deaf or hard of hearing, so I couldn't ask them uh, about their thoughts on the film. Um, But I would be curious, uh, and I did try to find out um, if you know, Flanagan or Siegel know anybody, that is, or have any close friends or family members that that are deaf or hard of hearing. Um, but I was not able to. The only reason I say that is there does seem to be a certain amount of specificity with the character that I, I think is good. You know, it does delve into how a deaf person lives alone. Uh, you know, certain things that they have to do that a person with, a, you know, fully functioning hearing does not have to do. Uh, the smoke alarm that has to be loud enough to vibrate the house, things like that. Um, you know, there's those kind of, those are only, you know, having to rely on, um, you know, FaceTime for phone calls. Um, yeah. Little things like that I think are really kind of cool yeah. and interesting. Um, I, I would really like to find, I, I, I assume like all, you know, com, you know, things that join people together, there's probably a, a pretty robust deaf and hard of hearing community. Um, I know they have opinions on things like, uh Signing versus speaking and, you know, reading lips versus signing. Um, I not only know that from reading about Children of Lesser God, Mm -hmm. Um, but I I would be curious to find out what that community's reaction to this film was. I'm going to try to keep doing some research on it. But it taught me, you know, it taught me a lot. Um, And I, I think anytime you have a protagonist that is outside of the norm or outside of the mainstream being shown to be capable, I think that is a step forward in the right direction and highlights an underrepresented group. Um, now again, would it probably be better if the lead was actually deaf or hard of hearing? Maybe. Um, I mean, that's usually, that's, I know that that's the thing that bothers people sometimes. Yeah. Uh, rightfully. Yeah. Uh, and there are actors and actresses that are deaf or hard of hearing working. So yeah. it, it's not like it wasn't an option. Um, that said it was a very small production. Um, you know, and I, I imagine Flanagan and Siegel wanted to keep it in the family because, you know, he's a successful director or an upcoming director, and she's a working actress. Um, and she's great. I don't want to take anything away from her she's as performance. Good, yeah. She's fantastic. Um, but I, I really like her as a character. I just, you know, I want to be careful not to make anybody feel shitty. So yeah. I'm, I'm just kind of tiptoeing around uh, a little bit to to make sure everybody knows that that's something that we think about.
2: Well, and I think what ends up happening in this kind of situation, and I think, I, I mean, I think it's okay, but it could be better, perhaps, because as you raise the issues of, I don't know. Um, the accuracies of depiction and representation that we're dealing with right now. I don't know how uh, those communities have received this particular film, and I understand that it could be difficult uh, and it could be problematic in various and sundry ways. But I do think that the use of the character with disability really helps shine a light not so much on this Person being able to respond in such a strong way, it is able to shine a light on just how disgusting uh, oppressive toxic masculinity is. That what we end up seeing is how predatory exploitation happens, where yeah, a male see, sees an opportunity in which I can dominate, I can win, I have all the cards, and that sort of confidence that goes with it. And what the film does brilliantly by using that person with disability is to show how disgusting that predatory. Instinct is, but also to show how powerful those people really are, and that it. Does. So there is something that's empowering that works in it. But I think the empowerment works by showing just how disgusting those who exploit are. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. No. And I think that's the the focus of the film. Really, is um, her resilience in the face of toxic masculinity. It, it really is more about that than disability. And that's you know that's why I brought up fetidization, right? Because. Yeah. At the end of the day, the only thing that makes this film any kind of special is the sound design stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, now again, the shooting is awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the sense of space and geography uh, that they use the house, as I mentioned before, is really kind of top notch. Uh, But that is the kick, right? That's the hook, is that the protagonist is deaf. uh, And that kind of adds a layer of, you know, high concept to the film. Uh, And I do worry about whether or not that's problematic because at the end of the day, it serves to tell another story, which is the story of surviving under toxic masculinity.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So, okay, well, so let's, let's think about some other things that we can think about with this film. Because, I mean, again, there's just tons of stuff happening uh, here. One of the things that I was thinking about...
0: Uh, hang on, uh, there's something I want to bring up. Uh, While well, we're still on the character idea, of you know, having a deaf character, um, I think it's great, like you mentioned, from an ideological standpoint. Uh, but I think it's also fantastic from a storytelling standpoint because it allows us to play with a lot of formalist uh, ideas and techniques that we can really move into um just the fact that she's deaf i mean we see it with the sound design as Dalt mentioned the sound design is great when she's cooking and we have that transition from extreme emphasized sound of the the gas coming on and uh whatever else she's doing in the kitchen then it goes quiet and i think it's a great transition and we get to see this throughout you know and it allows um uh flanagan to play i think quite a bit with uh just some formalist techniques that we're, you know, we're used to seeing one way, and he's able to uh, transition them a little bit and play with them in a different aspect than we're familiar with. Uh, and so I think that's you know one of the interesting things of having a deaf character is it allows you a little more uh, creativity uh, in putting together this this film, this narrative. Well, and I think
1: uh, horror is often talk, talked about as a genre that works better when it's quiet, uh, and I think this is a real testament to that, right? Because, you know frequently there is a, uh, a, a tendency to rely on loudness to frighten, um, especially when you're, you know, trying to build an effective jump scare. And this film doesn't really do that. It stays quiet throughout. I mean, the killer's, you know, weapon of choice is a knife and a crossbow, uh, two things that are known for being relatively quiet. Um, when things, when it gets loud, uh, it's always very shocking and very surprising in this film because it's very quiet. There's very little dialogue in this film. There's very little music. Um, it, it really is. It's a lot of people stepping on uh, wood floors, people walking through you know piles of dead leaves. It's very quiet throughout. And um, you talked about formalism and structure, Arthur. One of the things that I th- think about with that um, is the choice to uh, make her a novelist um, really opens up this cool thing about halfway through. You know, we were talking about in our – we were keeping out of spoiler territory in the beginning – there is a break, right? So the killer shows up, uh, played... And we haven't even talked about John Gallagher Jr. Who yeah, does a great he's job. Fucking yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, he's fucking awesome. He's an actor that I've only seen a few things, but this is the only thing I've seen him not be a real sweet guy in. Everything else I've seen him and he really plays like a really kind of sweet and supportive character... He is a monster in this yeah. film, and like mm-hmm. just yep. the, uh, the kind of like neck beardy misogynistic, red pill ass type uh, dude, bro. You know what I mean? That's what he reminds me. He reminds me of a yeah. a real shitty redditor, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. like just the way he interacts, like this this insistence on like establishing dominance. Uh, but anyway, his his performance is absolutely fantastic. What I think is great about Maddie as a character is, is this choice to about halfway through, the, or really two thirds of the way through the film, uh, it's towards the very end. Uh, is show her lose. Um, yeah. And then Flanagan yeah. kind of gets a, a rug pull on you and goes, why did you die? And she gets to kind of like have this, because there's this moment early to plant the seed of Sarah's, like, yep. what's your internal yep. monologue sound like? She goes, it sounds like my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is just a... Again, that was another thing when as soon as I saw that, I was like, I would like to ask a deaf person about that. Like, what yeah. does your internal monologue sound like? Yeah. Does it yeah. sound like a parent? Does it sound like a friend? Yeah. Um, but again, Arthur, you talked about structuralism, and there's a great choice kind of that reminds me of the Edgar Wright, uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead thing where they go through the potential plans, right? Yeah. But they do the serious version of that yeah. where Maddie runs through the possible outcomes. You know, she's talked about when she's writing a novel, she, like, thinks about all the possible ways she could end the story. Well, and she does that for herself. She's like, if you do this, what will happen? And that's part of, you know, she's not just like physically capable, although that's part of what makes her a cool protagonist. She's smart. She thinks out logically what will happen to her if she takes a risk. Are the risks that I have to take to get out of the situation, are they too risky? Are they going to get me killed? Is the yeah. payoff worth it? Um, and then the, the, the process of elimination that leads her to realize I'm going to have to let him into this house. Yeah. I'm going to have to kill him. Yeah. There's no escape. I'm going to have to go through him to get out of this. Um, and that, for me, is like what really elevates this film is the sound design things that you were talking about, which are really fascinating, and the structure throughout that initial game of cow and mouse. as so she's like yeah. trying to sneak out through side mirrors yeah. and to sneak out through the top loft. And then that break about two-thirds of the way through where she has to re- think about, okay, fuck, I can't run. I just got shot in the leg. I'm bleeding out. What am I going to do? I'm going to have to fight. Yeah, And I, I really, that final standoff is really deeply upsetting and intense and frightening in, in ways that really fascinate me.
0: Yeah, and another thing I really appreciate about it from a, I think a, you know, just a filmmaking standpoint is just there's something you don't see a lot. There's this really nice element of realism, which we kind of hinted on earlier uh, in the movie, where, you know, a, you know, Uh, Maddie gets her arm broken and it's mangled beyond shape.
2: It is very, Um, very hard to watch. Yeah,
0: but it's and there's almost this absurdity to it because I think you know a a lot of things that happen in real life, you know, are absurd, and so we kind of had to shape it to fit the narrative so it is more serious. But there, there are moments like that, or he gets you know when she uh, uses the corkscrew. I, I, I like the way because it impales in, in, in through the side. It doesn't, like, rip it open. It doesn't cut yeah. it straight. It just goes, like, right behind his, like, larynx, yeah, basically. Like,
2: well, um, he's just been betrayed by his voice, and she cuts his voice out. I'm just saying. Ooh, Do yeah, that's it, coward. Anyway, uh, go on.
0: Uh, but I, I I, think it. Uh, there's a lot of logic to the actions of the characters, and I think there's a, a lot of realism to it. Uh, and I, I appreciate a lot of those kind of moments because it keeps it grounded and i think it adds quite a bit to the film
1: now is that why sarah's boyfriend bothers you so much do you feel like he doesn't act
0: logically i think it takes him way too long to realize this guy's not a cop okay i think it takes him way too long like i can understand when the flashlights in his eyes Mm -hmm.
2: but once you see him out of uniform yeah there's no
0: uniform there's no car i mean we're in the middle of nowhere this isn't like Yeah, just you know, in the middle of the suburbs, we're in the middle of nowhere. And
2: he came from his house. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So I mean, there are two. I think it takes him way too long to realize Mm -hmm. what's going on. And he definitely does. He does eventually. Yeah, he's getting ready to like. He's about to cave his head in. Yeah. Yeah, with a rock, and uh, but I I think it just takes him. I would have been questioning a lot sooner. I think if I see this guy in a jumpsuit. Yeah, and he's for sure. I I think he really starts picking up when he notices the wound, and that's where he starts to get in. But I I think it takes him way too long to get there. Yeah. I, I feel like that might. Deny the film's logic up to that point. The uh, the moment
1: of it's done is really one of the grossest moments. It's not even that gross. It's just like sad. Yeah, Yeah. but I love because he's like a rabbit. He's just like boom. Well, that's the part. That's the thing I was talking about is that we're very. This movie understands that we are soft. Like people, people are are we're fragile. Yeah, Yeah. and it's just and that's all it takes. And it's it's done. done. Yeah, it's done. That, and that's uh, it. That's all it takes is yeah. you got a couple of parts on you. You got to protect. And if they mm-hmm. get hurt, that's over. Yeah. Um, but I, I understand why that character frustrates you. Um, I, I like the scene overall. I, I think do too. It's a real, you know, Hitchcock-ass bomb under the table scene. You know what yeah. I mean?
2: Well, I just like how he keeps fighting afterward. I mean, I, it's there, really there, cool. there's, a, there's yeah. a certain heroism to that that I, that I really appreciate. That he knows he's done, but he might try to take the other guy with him. Well, well,
1: yeah. And that's, I think, when well, he says run, I think he knows he's buying time. I don't think he mm-hmm. thinks he can seal the deal. I don't think he thinks yeah. he can save the day. I think he's trying to buy Maddie time. Yeah. yeah. Um, Arthur, you talked about this uh, earlier in review, um, and this is just kind of building upon the, the softness of bodies in this film. And like this film's understanding of... Of realism, uh, crossbows are are difficult. Yeah, uh, they are
2: hard to lock. Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah.
1: Um, and and, he, he, and uh, the man, which is how John Gallagher Jr. is credited, says that he goes, "Hey, it's not very easy, is it?" Yeah, uh, <laughs> he's watching her through the window, which I, I think is kind of a is really interesting me to me because it's one of the few moments where we see him seeing her. Yeah. Most of the time we see her seeing him, which yeah. is a real kind of the, the way they invert roles yeah. throughout the film is really cool is yeah. when Flanagan chooses to show one of them being a voyeur to the other, I think is really interesting. Um, and again, that just kind of falls back into the structural stuff we were talking about.
2: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I think we've had a good conversation about this. We come now to the point of the show where we must render a verdict regarding this film, which is, shelf or trash, else or instead? I go to you first, Arthur Gordon. Shelf for trash, else or instead? Uh, 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 uh,
0: shelf it. Why not? It, it's I think it's interesting enough. I mean, it's rock solid. I, 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 I don't love it as much as Dalton does, but I think it's... In the grand scheme of things, and, and horror film as in the last few years, I think it's rock solid as a as a thriller. As a, a I don't want to call it a slasher necessarily, but as a horror home invasion, I think is yeah home invasion thriller. Yeah, I I, I think it's rock solid. So yes, uh, let's shelf it. I mean, yeah. Um, especially since it's digital, I don't even think you can buy a DVD. Probably so, just yeah, it's a Netflix, Netflix so shelf, You yeah, just so. Yeah, do you, you own ke- it? If you have Netflix, you own this movie. Do you want to keep having Netflix? Congratulations, you own high. Yeah, there you are. Um, uh, but I'm gonna go. I mean, I've talked quite a bit about Flanagan. I think this is a guy who's got a uh, a lot of potential as a director. I mean, right out the gate, we've got Oculus, which is just you know fun, uh, strong uh, horror film. Just a great ghostie Yeah, uh, is it, just spooky? It's just fun. Uh, and then we get this. Uh, we've got, um, we talked about it earlier, and I'm blanking on Ouija, the name. Ouija, or, colon, yeah.
1: Origin of Evil. Have yeah. you seen
0: that? I haven't. I've I really wanted to. I it haven't looked, either. It was really fun. That trailer is great. Yeah, it is. Uh, but, I mean, that got pretty solid critical reviews. So he's setting himself up as this uh, very solid director, I think, who's uh, one to watch, especially within the horror genre. Um, And so I I thought of other directors Who are are just blowing up right now Who had humble beginnings Uh, Because there are often two types of directors You have the director who comes out Strong out the gate and just can't match that again mm-hmm. and then you have other directors who just show keep that, getting bigger and better yeah uh and so i'm gonna kind of go with that um and the first one uh these aren't their first movies but their early movies form the first one is obviously going to be brick by ryan johnson yeah um who's about to just own the world in about it, two months oh he's gonna God. be on top of it's the world so insane yeah i remember when brick came out yeah i know uh, it's it, crazy. Uh,
1: what a time to be alive.
0: I know. Uh, and it's been fascinating to watch this guy's career. Um, and, and and I think that's great. So I'm going to say Brick. Uh, the next one, another guy who's about to just take over the world, uh, m- maybe, uh, is Denis venele uh, uh And I'm going to uh, refer to Prisoners. I think that matches the tone here a lot better than some of his other works. But, uh, I mean, the guy is solid. Uh, he's great director, I think. I, I think uh, Prisoners is... Uh, interesting tale of obsession, and it's got great performances with Jackman and Gyllenhaal. Uh, So check that out. And then finally, uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, uh, but you go back, you look at Saw. You look at James Wan's Humble Beginnings uh, and these three directors um, who uh, just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. And they're all just taking over the world. Yeah,
1: I'd like to see Flanagan have a career similar to them. And I think what's interesting about Flanagan is... At this moment, and, you know, I, I think we'll, this will kind of lead us into next week's discussion of Gerald's game, is at this moment where he really could, he has a fork in the road of his career, goes, Nah, Netflix, give me another
0: 10 mil. Let me do whatever I want. Yeah. I can appreciate that uh, that intent and that uh, there's a, a freedom to storytelling, I think, with Netflix. And I think that may scare some studios and some uh, creative types, but I appreciate uh, that that attitude.
2: Me too. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Shelf or trash? Else or instead? So
1: I'm going to do uh, a collection of films from right around uh, two 2016 releases. So are you shelving? Uh, oh, yeah. Duh. Uh, well, I'm, it's just like Arthur said. It's on <laughs> Well, duh. Yeah, watch it. You've got Netflix. You already have access to it. Do you like horror movies? Do yes. you have a Netflix subscription? Yes. Watch this fucking movie. No. Don't deprive yourself. Um, what should you pair with Hush, I think, is a much more interesting question. Um, Obviously, as Arthur mentioned, you should definitely check out Mike Flanagan's Oculus. Uh, But I want to uh, pair two other... So this is a 2016 release. I want to pair another... Uh, two 2016 releases with it one of them that also features a disability one of which shares cast member uh, so the first one is going to be 10 Cloverfield Lane which is the film that introduced me to John Gallagher Jr. Um, he plays um, the person stuck in the basement uh, with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead uh, yeah he, he's the other prisoner of uh, John okay. Goodman's character yeah. uh, and again kind of a similar film right single location
0: mm-hmm.
1: single antagonist um, and an antagonist whose motives are illusory at best. Um, so uh, I, I think that's a, a really great pairing. And, uh, and then it's going to be a Don't Breathe, uh, which is, yep. um, you know, uh, whew, huh, yeah. whew, an endurance test of a film uh, as Fede Alvarez is known to make. Uh, it, it's not easy to watch, man. Um, and there's definitely some stuff in it that it probably didn't need um, that kind of troubles me, but I think overall it's still a very strong horror film. Um, not the least of which because of Jane Levy's, uh, really fantastic performance as Rocky, uh, and Stephen Lang, uh, as the quote blind man, yes. um, who, uh, again, it's kind of an inversion of Hush. It, it is instead of a deaf protagonist who is being home invaded, uh, it is a blind antagonist who is being home invaded, yep. um, which, is, again, it's just an interesting film, um, is, I'm going to go ahead and say not as good as Hush, um, but I'm going to say is definitely in the same ballpark for yeah. sure. Um, I, th- I think Hush is less problematic and is less showy and loud um, and is doing more just kind of subtle, interesting things. But I do like Don't Breathe quite a bit. Uh, I just uh, – I get excited when I watch Hush. I saw Don't Breathe in theaters and have not once had another desire to see it. So I, I think it is interesting pairing, especially, again, because they're both 2016 releases.
2: Awesome, awesome. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dahlstedt. I'm also going to say Shelf, and I'm going to pair it with your next. I mean yeah. – Obviously, yeah.
1: For I mean, uh, again, your next being kind of a Netflix staple at this yeah. point.
2: I mean, it just it works on so many levels as far as availability, accessibility, and in terms of the strength of the protagonist. And it
1: we is. do love us some Adam Wingard here. Yeah, we do like yes. Wingard.
2: So uh, that would be well. My. I, his last two have been. Uh, he's, he's he's had a dip. He'll come back. Yeah, he'll be back. I have faith. It'll be fine. So we are done with Shocktober, but kind of not really, because uh, we're going to do a little Flanagan double feature. Arthur, tell us what's happening next. I want to
0: play a game with you. What? Um, what? <laughs> the flashbacks. Uh, the flashbacks. The flashbacks. Um, well, we're going to bridge on into our next uh, big marathon. We're going to do Netflix November, probably our last marathon of the year. Uh, but we wanted to revisit, uh, or revisit uh, some of them will be revisits, but we wanted to uh, take a look at uh, some of the new, uh, unique, original work that Netflix is distributing or producing. Lots of 2017 releases yes, from them. And it's really just a way to pad out uh, Dalton's letterbox so he can get as many on there as he can.
1: Uh, my, come on. It's for all of us. Let's yeah. be honest. Well, yeah. We all want to catch up with some of these. Thank yeah, uh, you want to catch up with this first film. I, I do.
0: That. I actually am very excited to see this film uh, because I like Flanagan a lot. I, I think he's a solid director. And I like Stephen King a lot. And talk about a guy who's having a year in a, yeah. a career filled with him. Uh, this is probably one of his biggest years uh, insofar as this goes. But uh, I, we're going to look at Gerald's Game. Uh, we're going to look at the recent Netflix release. Uh, yeah, uh, it's like a month ago. Yeah. Uh, or, and, gosh, a couple of weeks even. Yeah. Tw- I don't know. I'm going to try and guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to take a look at that. Uh, we're going to get some Bruce Greenwood, who is a uh, sexy beast. Uh, we're going to get uh, Gina Carano? Carla Gugino. Okay, Carly thank Gugino. you. I always screw up. Her I, I, I mixed their names up. Uh, yep. I knew it wasn't the martial artist. It is uh, not Gina Carano, no. But... <laughs> yeah.
1: Although, it would have been very awesome. interesting. It would have been very good. It would have probably
0: been a, over a lot sooner because she would break the handcuffs. Yeah,
1: Carla's uh, <laughs> great in it. I, I'm the only one that's seen this movie already. Yeah. Um, I like Howard Gagina's performance a lot in this film.
0: I'm very excited. And I, I think from what I understand, we may be revisiting some of those uh, interesting storytelling techniques of inner dialogue and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Um, so I'm very excited to see that. And I think it's going to be very exciting to talk about Netflix as a a uh, production company, yeah. as distribution a distribution platform. center, as a, I don't know, a mega yeah. monolith
1: of Media. We'll, we'll talk about Netflix. We'll talk about trauma. We'll talk about The Will to Survive. We'll talk about Flanagan and inner monologues. It's going to be a good adaptation. Show. Probably. Yeah, will probably come, up, come if up. up if you have if if you have time to finish the, the novel, Gerald. We, yes. we will try.
0: Some we, of us will try to finish that novel. Yeah, some,
2: some of us are in grad school.
0: Uh, yeah. Some of us work two jobs. Yeah. Uh, keep s- on the lights. Some of us are just lazy. <laughs> yeah, we know. Uh, some exactly. of
2: us
1: have one job that like <laughs> rips everything from them. <laughs> like, you know fair. what?
2: You know what? All of us have. We have the movies and we have the opportunity to talk about them and that's why we do what we do we're going to keep watching and we're going to keep talking and everyone's going to be watching and talking and we'll see you all next time Thank you for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast, brought to you by the Good Trash Media Network. For all things Good Trash, go to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro music is made by one Mr. Arthur Gordon, with a little help from his friends Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL, with a uh, bit of curated movie clips added in for spice. Our outro music is I Think We're Alone Now by Tiffany.